Kelsey Cook. She is a stand-up comedian. Her comedy has been featured on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, Lily Singh, among many others. She is the co-host of Self-Helpless Podcast, and she has a web series called Risks of Fury, where her and fellow comedians play foosball and scream at each other, and she tries to interview them um, while playing foosball. (laughs) Kelsey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you. Do you fancy yourself a global thought? I mean, nobody's ever asked me that question in my entire life, but <laughs> I I would be honored to think of myself as a global thought. I have been really lucky that I um, had some travels overseas pretty young because uh, my mom was my high school French teacher. And so I like did some of the that travel with her, but then also, of course, um, being a touring comedian for a living, my whole life is that I'm in a different city every week. So I guess I don't know what the technical definition of a globe thought is, but I travel a lot. You know, make it, it, make it your own, truly. Okay. I, it's, it's a vibe, you know, being a global okay. thought is a vibe. It's an energy. Okay. It's a glow, you know, so just whatever. Um, Well, welcome. I'm so excited to have you. I have so many questions about your mom being your French teacher in high school and just in general. But first and foremost, I feel like we have to talk about the fact that you're the daughter of a of a yo-yo champion and foosball player. I think that's probably where Rissa of Fury like is that the is that where that came from? Rissa Fury, like you played foosball growing up. You, You couldn't have a parent who's like such a champ and then not pass that on. What a a legacy. Right. So it's actually both of my parents. Um, My parents met playing in a professional foosball tournament. And uh, that is like the foundation of my life. Like I literally wouldn't exist if it weren't for foosball. And so then they had me and they started training me at a really young age. So there are pictures of me playing foosball when I'm like two and they've like put me on a stool. So I'm tall enough to see the top of the table and they've got like their hands on my hands to help teach me how to play. So I've just played my whole life. And then um, as I got into comedy, I wasn't really talking about it on stage for a very long time because I just felt like it was the least relatable thing I could ever talk about. And then people, when they found out about it, they're like, okay, you have to start talking about that. They're like, it's because it's so unusual that you have to talk about it. Like, it's okay that people can't relate to that specific thing. Um, but it's just so crazy. You have to talk about it. So I started talking about it. And then that turned into me creating a web series at All Things Comedy, where I uh, bring a comedian on and interview them as we play foosball and just do a bunch of crazy challenges. But <clears throat> it's just fun to see, I guess, guys, especially like cocky dudes, think that they can win and uh it's just a good time for me especially because you're like a gorgeous blonde so they're probably like oh whatever (laughs) I can get and it's like okay just wait I've been bred for this moment like please what I what I think is so wild it's like I guess what if you have a parent who like pursued a career in foosball or like yo-yoing it's like you could be like I'm going to art school like what are you going to say to me like I you know I'm going to be a comedian I'm going to go it's like whatever they're like it's not like they were going to be like no you have to go be a doctor or a lawyer like I imagine they were pretty open-minded with like whatever career path you chose am I a correct assumption um yes and no so uh, my mom was always very supportive from the start I um had started pursuing comedy when I was in college, but I had started college thinking that I was going to be a high school math teacher. So for the first two years of college, I was pursuing a math major. And um, when I switched to comedy, my mom was all about it. But <clears throat> my dad, because so my dad's primary job is that he's a musician in a symphony. And he's done that for like over 40 years now. And But he like he's so passionate about his career, but I think he really understood that struggle of pursuing an art for a living in terms of like finances. And so when I told him that I was abandoning this very secure, safe career path to basically be a clown, 
he was like, what are you doing? Because he was coming from the perspective of like, I don't want my daughter to go through any of the things I've had to go through to pursue what I want to do for a living. And then I think once things started to pick up for comedy, he became more and more supportive. But I think it's also just, a, it's like a strange relationship for a dad and daughter. If your daughter's a comedian, especially if she's not like a Christian, clean comic, I, like I think it takes a while for a dad to be okay with the fact that his daughter's going on stage and like talking about coming, you know, like that's so weird. <laughs> like that, that would be a little creepy if my dad was like, yay honey <laughs> like I kind of like think that it was okay that more for a while jizz. he was like I don't more jizz <laughs> more <in the> jizz. <laughs> yeah like he it, it took a second for him to I think just feel okay that I was doing that but also to trust like this is going well you you can take a breath and know that like I'm I'm fine Totally. Well, I think it's very, it's a really interesting upbringing um, and really, yeah. really cool. So we have a, a couple of opening questions that we always sure. do. So <laughs> listen, I don't know if everyone loves to talk about their shit. Okay. Like we do on this podcast, yeah. but I, I do. Okay. Oh, well, see, you're totally a global thought. You're a natural. <laughs> um, okay. So what's your most epic diarrhea story while traveling? Do you have so one? I've talked pretty openly on stage about having IBS and an icon. We call them <laughs> IBS icons here. Okay. We have a whole on our Amazon storefront, which please go to and buy things on there. Um, we have a whole IBS icon section for our girls wow. with tummy issues. Where is my shirt? Like that's such <laughs> good merch. I love that. Queen, we got to get it going. But yeah, an IBS icon like yourself. I know it's a struggle. So what? So tell us. It's a struggle that ha like, especially cross country flights for me, I've just found that the dehydration that happens from being up in the air on the plane for that long, plus just like going through time zone changes, all of that. If you're somebody that has kind of a fickle stomach on a good day, traveling is never great. And so, um, I, this was gosh, probably five, six years ago, I flew from LA to New York for shows and I was staying with one of my best friends, Allie. And it was my first time staying in her place. And I got there, like hugged her high. And then was like, I'm like, I gotta go to the bathroom. Went and immediately clogged her toilet. Like I hadn't been there for more than five minutes. And I like completely, and this wasn't, I mean, not to get graphic, but it wasn't like there was so much uh shit that that clogged it but I'm, I'm a big wiper like I really like I will wipe a lot to make sure everything's okay and I learned the hard way that sh shitty Manhattan apartments that that plumbing is not a great situation like it's not designed to take more than like a couple uh strands of toilet paper so I just I felt so bad because I just she's so sweet she's letting me stay I clog her toilet the second I get there and then she doesn't have a toilet plunger. It's like, I think it was like midnight. It was really late. We had to go out to like a bodega or a CVS nearby, get a toilet plunger. She and I didn't know how to plunge a toilet. I had to call my, my husband at the time, have him explain to it. It was just like such a shit disaster. And um, that has really like burned into my brain to flush every couple wipes just to avoid that problem again. That's a gorgeous story. Thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> um, you know, in so many countries, like in so many places, they have such sensitive plumbing that you wipe and then you throw it in a trash can. Like, yeah. that's the, it's why, like, you know, it takes some getting used to because you're like, wow, I don't really want to like leave evidence of my like bowel movements and trash cans around the world. But like so many places, there's such sensitive yeah. plumbing that like, they're not flushing any toilet paper. I mean, right. no one, seldomly, I'm sure Americans are listening to it. But, right. you know, it, it's tough out there. It's tough out there. You got to, you know, it is it is the, the flush and continue, flush and continue, flush and continue. That is a process that we all must learn at some point in our lives. Yes. Yeah. It was like as if I feel like the toilet paper was like coming out of like the top. Like it was like breaching like the seat line. <laughs> like there was so much toilet paper. Kelsey. Because I just, I know. I 
I don't know. I was exhausted. I wasn't thinking again. I, that might've been like one of my first trips to New York. I just, I wasn't thinking about that. That toilet was not going to be capable of handling a lot of toilet paper, but I mean, I'm sorry you had to go through this trifling experience, but I am glad that I think you are better for it. Do you, are you now, are you now with like the bidet game? Do you get like, are you in that? So I'm with the bidet game, but I like, I'm still kind of, Here's that I prefer a wet wipe. I'm a wet wipe gal, but I, I do see like the merit in the bidet. I'm trying to get used to it. I very recently moved to Minnesota and that's been something I've been talking about on stage is like what a harsh welcome to this state, because if you use a bidet in the winter here, it like feels like local anesthesia. Like it is a temperature on that body part that has never felt that in its life. And it's like, I haven't felt my b-hole in two weeks it's just been like such a rough transition um but i'm trying i'm i'm trying to power through but bidets are not like the the aim of it is something that's like taken me a while to get used to because we also like have vaginas like i don't want to like spray anything toward the front wait a hundred percent i have taught i have thought about this so much i'm like i don't want to spray poo water into my yes. vagina hole it yes. feels like that's how you're gonna get a yeasty like I don't want to like that feels dangerous and I've never understood that it's always front to back exactly I mean that's ingrained in us at such a young age it's like you have to make sure you go front to back and I mean men don't have to think about this they can just blow it onto the back of their nuts or whatever they're doing <laughs> but like it's they don't have another like hole <laughs> right there that they have to worry about so I, <laughs> I just tell my boyfriend this, that like, it takes me so long to like inch my way down toward my butthole. Like when the bidet starts spraying, it's like truly at the top of my ass crack. And then I just like very gradually like move my body until it gets toward my butthole. Cause I'm so scared to like, just shoot water forward. I don't know. It's like not what you're not what we've been told we're supposed to do. It's very stressful. It's very stressful. It's yeah. everyone says it's this relaxing, luxurious experience, but you get a yeast infection once in your life or a UTI and you're like, I ain't playing with fire, you know? It feels very, very against the grain. Like yeah. it feels like you're not supposed to be doing that, right. but um, I, I am trying to become better friends with the bidet. We'll see. Let me know how your journey goes. I actually am truly invested in this process. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Our sec thank you so much for your vulnerability. Like that is, that was vulnerable and I really appreciate it. So thank you. Um, our second opening question. Have you ever gotten like a pretty crazy fight while you've been traveling? And if you don't have that, just like anything that really annoys you while you're traveling. Oh, well, uh, I think we've probably joked about this on another podcast at some point, but my, um, my ex-husband and I went to Europe together as chaperones for um, one of my mom's travel groups. So my mom, having been my high school French teacher, she every other year would take a group of high school students to Europe and do kind of like a buffet, you know, like an EF tours sort of a thing where it's like you hit three or four cities, you're there for maybe like a day or two each. And, um, after this was, you know, well after high school, after college, my mom had asked if, um, if he and I wanted to come as chaperones, which would then like pay for our trip. And we were like, of course, what a dream. And I will say, I will, I would never, ever do that ever. It's not even worth like the free ticket to go because chaperoning high schoolers in who are in Europe for the first time and able to drink for the first time was a thing of nightmares to be trying to keep track of truly children who are drunk in the streets of like Paris for the first time. And you're like trying to make sure they don't go off on their own. It was, it was just a thing. And then of course, if they're drinking for the first time, they're also like drinking way too much, getting sick, things like that, where like the next morning is a puke disaster. And uh, so we started the trip on a rough note. We didn't sleep on the plane and it was the type of flight where like you really needed to, because then when you landed, it was morning there and they had a full itinerary. So they were 
telling everybody like, you got to sleep on the plane because there won't be a chance to sleep. And he and I ended up being awake for like, I mean, almost 40 hours or something. It was something crazy. And my allergies were insane. I don't know if there was something that was in bloom at that time of the year that I had never experienced. But like, when I tell you that I, I couldn't go probably more than 30 to 60 seconds without sneezing, it was constant for days. I just had like tissue attached to my nose. My eyes were all puffed up. And he and I were just not having a great time. That is so interesting though, that your mom, so your mom leads, so she was your, was she your French teacher in high school? Like, did you take her class? They allowed that? They allowed your mom to teach you in high school? They did. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was like a weird thing in my school system because there were other kids in my grade whose parents were teachers there and they got to do it too are you from a super where are you from are you from a small town small town mm-hmm. yeah where where are you from originally so um I was born and raised in Spokane uh but then in fourth grade I moved out to Cheney uh, my mom got her teaching job out there and so it's like 20 minutes outside of Spokane it is but uh, I mean my graduating class was like 200 yeah. kids so just kind of like small farming town so your mom was your French teacher in high school and then she led these euro trips i imagine to france yes um so there would often be a stop in paris i ended up doing three of the trips with her so two times as a student and then once um you know as a chaperone and yeah paris is a pretty common one that they add into that ef tours group but we did italy we did germany we did switzerland um vienna uh, in Austria, just like so many, so many little stops all over. Okay. So in high school, like, were you trying to get pounded in Europe? Like, I don't like how were you like, (laughs) I am (laughs) like, give me, give me an idea of like who you were in high school. So I can like know the character in this Euro trip. You know what I mean? Like who, what are, what's her log line? You know, like who is this high schooler? (laughs) That's really funny. Definitely not trying to get pounded in (laughs) Europe. Um, I had a very Lisa Simpson vibe in school. I <laughs> was an honor student, very like academic and um, played sports, all that stuff. But like definitely kind of more uh, like I was really late to the game with partying. I didn't start drinking until I was 20 and like had never smoked pot, had never done anything And then I didn't have my first really like serious boyfriend until I was 17. And so I feel like some of my friends had their first kind of sexual experiences before then, more serious boyfriends before then. But I was just kind of like a late bloomer to everything. You were just like an innocent, pure soul. Yeah. A little angel, (laughs) a little cherub. So when you were going to your, did you, were you close with your mom? Were you guys like, did you guys get along really well? Oh, yeah. Really, really close with my mom my whole life. Was it like, were you, so you weren't like one of those kids who was just like, oh, my mom's here. It's so annoying. But you were like, oh, thank God my mom is going to be on this trip so I can like have, you know, my bestie with me. Was it like more of that vibe? Yeah. So I lucked out big time with the whole like mom as my teacher dynamic because some of my uh, other students in, in my grade that had their parents as teachers in the school their parents were like very hated teachers. They were kind of the classic hard ass who gave really tough grades and all this stuff. And I felt bad for those kids because it was like, you know, a lot of people have parents that suck, but like your peers don't all know them, right? And give you shit. But if your parent is teaching groups of your friends, that's a tough dynamic to have to deal with that. And I was so lucky that my mom would like she would get voted favorite teacher so often she would like first day of school she'd always just be blasting music from her room she'd like blast like German rap (laughs) from her room because she was the high school French and high school German teacher oh my god and yeah so she just so funny loved by so many students kind of the type of person that a lot of kids looked at her like she was their mom and like had wished that she was their mom and and made that clear to her. So I, yeah, I lucked out big time that that was the dynamic in the school. And I, of course, was so excited to be around her. 
That is so adorable. So was she like cool and letting kids drink and pretending like she didn't know? Or was she just like, please don't get me fired. I'm really <laughs> like, what, were you allowed to like, were kids allowed to drink because it's legal there? Or was it still like you have to obey American laws because it's an American school trip? It's been a long time. I can't remember if there were like waivers signed discouraging it. But I remember that we as a group would drink like they would serve you wine with dinner or offer you beer with dinner in a lot of these countries. And it was just part of the culture. It wasn't like, Ooh, everybody's being like rebellious right now. It just was like, this is part of your trip here is experiencing how it is to live here. So I don't remember if that was, this is also like, I mean, Facebook was going, but not a huge thing. And so it wasn't the way it is now with Instagram where, you would have to be worried about kids posting pictures and stuff right. like that. I, I think it was less of that. I know. I miss the time where we could be degenerates and not worry about everyone finding out about it, you know? Yeah. <sighs> what a time. What, what a, a time, time to be alive. What an interesting – so, like, how old were you when you were going – like, 15, 16 when you were going on these trips? Um, 16 and 18, I believe, yeah. What was that like? Had you ever been out of the country before before those school trips? Just one time when I was really young, so I don't remember it, but my parents had taken me to Germany when I was uh, two, three, maybe something like that. So I don't remember, but then I did those those trips. And then I ended up actually performing at a theater in Paris four years ago, and I got to bring my mom with me for that. And that was a really special thing to to do that and not be part of a big tour group or like running around between a bunch of cities, but just get to go to perform. And that was my first time performing overseas. Let's talk about you. So you are always touring. Like you're always yeah. on, you're always on the road. How, how much are you touring? You'd say like throughout the year, like how many, you know, how many weekends um, do you a month? Usually between like 30 to 35 weekends a year. So it ends up being, uh, like an average of three weekends a month oh my three god yeah so you spend a lot of time on planes cars out there like is there something are there any products or tips or like packing things or just like airline thing whatever any anything because you're such a pro traveler what are what are your like okay this is this is what you need to know yeah so I have tried to become the most efficient traveler possible especially in the last couple years because it really does become it's like if you are packing and repacking on a weekly basis that time really adds up and you're always just trying to streamline whatever you can so I have found that packing cubes have become very helpful for me um, in packing and unpacking. Have you guys talked about that much on the show? Okay. I feel like packing cubes are such a controversial thing because I pack like a raccoon. I am, I can't, I'm like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fix it in post type of person. Like throw everything (laughs) in a bag, bring a steamer, pray, hope it gets there. And then like, you know, fix it in post. I am just like, you know, smooth it out later. I cannot like the packing cubes. I understand. Like they're really like, you're either with them or against them. Like the packing cubes, because like, it's a personality type, I think. Cause I'm just like a, I can't do it. Like I try to be that person and I really want to be that person, but really I'm the person that's like throwing shit in a bag, not even folding. Not, I'm just like, even like, I'm sure when, I, when I'm going to have a destination wedding, I'm sure my wedding dress, I'm going to roll in a ball and throw in a, in a ba- and hope for the best. Like, I'm just not right. with it. But like, I do understand that like the packing cube community is superior. Like they are better people than the rest of us. I un- I believe that. I do. I'm like you are a superior being and I I bow to you. But yeah, I can't I can't get with it, but I know it's right. So you're a so you're a packing cuber. Well, I'm I feel like I fall a little bit in the middle because um I don't pack everything in packing cubes, but I have found that putting my bra, socks and underwear in one packing cube, that has helped just that has helped keep the rest of my suitcase so much more organized because it used to be just like kind of shove things where I could find room or like tuck a bra in. And then I I felt like cups were kind of getting warped and stuff like that. But at least putting those things um, in a packing cube 
to me has just kept that part organized. I also try to travel with a bag that I can stick dirty clothes in as I'm going through the week and just kind of keep that separate. And if I'm not doing the packing cube stuff for the rest of my clothes, I really like the Marie Kondo folding method where you basically turn things into kind of like envelopes Mm -hmm. because it does make such a difference in what you can fit in a suitcase. And for me, that's a big thing is trying to fit as much as I can if I'm going to be gone for like, you know, sometimes 10 days. It's the thing about it is that it's, it's all right and true. Right. And yet I simply, and I travel a lot and I still can't, it's like, I know that there's a better way. It's not that I believe what the way that I'm doing it is better. I know it's worse. And yet here I am and I can't get myself like, I always do bring a laundry bag just because I don't want to put like dirty underwear in with clean clothes. And right. some, and some like suitcases come with that. And so like you, there's like the away right. bag has a little area for it. Like there's some, there's some bags that come with laundry bags. And so those are great. Or just even for shoes, like putting your shoes, because yes. they're like the bottom of your shoes. You don't want to get all over your clean clothes. So right. like that stuff I'm like with, but I, the folding, like I can't, and then, okay, so then I imagine when you get to the hotel or wherever you're staying, you then unpack, don't you? Don't you? Yes. Yeah. You hang shit up like a (laughs) well-adjusted adult, right? I have to though, because I am often going on stage that night and I'm like, you to me sound more prepared in other ways where like you bring a steamer. So like, I don't own a steamer. I'm so, I'm too lazy with that stuff where like, I won't iron, I won't steam. I just like try to fold in a neat way and then like unpack immediately and hope that just like gravity will pull wrinkles down. (laughs) Or, you know, you can do the method of like hanging it up in a shower that's steaming or whatever. And like, right. But the little travel steamer steamers are the best. You girl, you got to get one. I'm going to buy you one. Yeah. They're the best. They're, they're tiny. They're like really tiny and they're easy. And like, they just, they're quick. You just, it's like an eraser. It's great. Do you have like a uniform for when you're doing shows? I've kind of, Taylor and I talk about this a lot where I think we've kind of whittled it down to like a category of clothes that we know we feel confident in, but that like are not too revealing that it's, it's a really careful balance that we find with what you wear on stage. Um, I think especially as a female comic and it, it can be a little tough. I used to like intentionally really front myself up on stage uh, to try to like, not let there be any room for the second I walk on stage, somebody being like, Oh, well, this is going to suck because of the stereotype of like, you can't be like funny and not look like a dumpster fire. Right. Like it just, it, it sucks, but that is a, a thing that is ingrained in some people's minds. And Uh, Anyway, this is all to say that, like, yes, I have kind of started to get a wardrobe where it's usually some sort of high-waisted jean and, like, a long-sleeved or short-sleeved, I guess, uh, crop top, but, like, something that actually, like, I don't want my stomach out at all on stage. You just have, like, a little jacket or something, but something like that. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have it down to a sign because, like, you you are wearing the similar things for different shows. But what yeah. about when you're traveling? Do you ever because because you travel? I find this so often with comics like who tour a lot. They're like, I don't want to travel when I'm off. Like I travel for a living. That yeah. like I don't want to do anything. I want to be home in bed, not getting sick. Right. Um, right. So do you ever like when you're not touring and you're not constantly on the road? Like, do you ever want to go on trips, or are you just kind of like I'm trying to be home? Um, it's hard. I wish that travel didn't take so much out of you because I I am the type of person where it's like, I, I enjoy my time at home, but in like short spurts, I don't love just doing nothing for like a long period of time. And my best friends are really spread out. Uh, my family is a little spread out and I, I love to spend time with the people I love. So, and I also really loved like going to one of my favorite bands on tour and like making a trip out of that. So that is something I kind of struggle to find the balance with is like, if you're touring for that many weeks of the year, it doesn't leave you that many weekends off. And then if you're using those weekends to also travel, you're like never not on a plane. 
are you Googling places? Are you asking around? Like, how are you finding out about cool shit to do in like the city you're in doing standup? I am mostly on Yelp trying to find the best local places to eat that feel like a special place to go while we're there. Uh, Certainly like doesn't have to be a fancy place. It's usually just Tommy and I being like, Ooh, that brunch spot has really good, (laughs) has good reviews. And so Taylor does a better job of going out and actually like sightseeing a lot of the time. I think I'm more, I I try to find good food because that makes me feel just better physically, more nourished, more clear on stage. And then I'm also, I got, I've got some white trash roots. And so if there's like a mall in the area, I still get excited when I find a Sephora on the road. I'm like, if I'm near a Sephora, that's, that's so cleansing to me to just like walk through a Sephora. I immediately feel like I'm at home somewhere. It's very nice. I I couldn't agree more. When I was in Japan, I was just like exhausted. I was like, I got really sick and I was just like exhausted and over it. And I was like, I need to go to a department store. I was like, bitch, take me to a goddamn department store. And I walked into that department and I was like, I feel like my, I'm from Calabasas. Please don't hold it against me. I don't, I, I didn't choose it and I'm sorry. Um, but I'm from Calabasas, which if you don't know about Calabasas, it's where the Kardashians are from. I don't need to say mm-hmm. anything else. Um, but yeah. God, do I love like a bougie department store. I walked in and I was like, I feel, I was like, I smell yeah. leather. There was a full Kit Kat bar. They have, Japan has like all these, they, they have like a billion oh, different no. Kit Kat, um, Oh, flavors. flavors. Yeah, like a million different ones. And so wow. you'll go in, like, you know how in, like, a, a department store, like, a Bloomingdale's will have, like, the makeup counter or, like, the jewelry yeah. counter. They have a Kit Kat counter where it's just, like, a, I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating a lot, but, like, a hundred different types of Kit Kats. And it's, like, wow. sample them, and, like, it's really cute. And I was, like, this, it's amazing what a department store can do for your mood. So maybe that's a good tip. Find a department yes. store. If you're in bad spirits in a random place, Find a department store because it's hard to be sad when you're sniffing like leather goods and yeah, cute local hot products, you know? Yeah. When you want it, you're trying to find things that feel familiar to you on the road because there's so much that maybe you've never seen before, but even if it's within the country, if, if it's a city you've never been to, it might all be unfamiliar. But like the second you walk into a Target, you're like, I know all this, like this feels like a place I've been before. I think it just gives you a little comfort sometimes. I also think that a target is like the one true neutral ground we have in this country because (laughs) everyone's always fighting about everything. And I'm like, but when you go to a target, like we're all one here, you know, like, yeah, like my target, like when I'm on TikTok, like target, like if I, if like Republican TikTok finds me, but it's a girl on a target. I'm like, I got, we are one. And, but if it's like yeah. Democrat liberal TikTok and she's in a target, I'm like, we're also one. Like target really is, I think the only neutral, it's yeah. our Switzerland. Like we don't have any other <laughs> like neutral grounds anymore besides a target. Cause when you walk in and there's like, this is $4. Like, I don't care what your political beliefs are. We believe in this. Like we do, we believe in the well-priced throw pillow, you know, like, yes, a quality yeah. throw blanket, you know, like we're yes. getting like the deals and, and I don't care what terrible thing you think about Jews or whatever. If you and I can get in a target together, we'll be good. It is. It brings everybody's heart rate to like a really calm place. <laughs> if you can just like smell some pumpkin spice candles. Oh, gorgeous. Like everything's fine. Everything everything's okay. Fine. Maybe you grab some Starbucks, like so what being, a basic, about? being a basic bitch is like elite as far as I'm concerned. All they do is they eat eggs. There's lots of protein and they drink their champagne. They're having fun. They're, they're wearing a, like they have comfy shoes, like mm-hmm. they, and they're caffeinated. Like they look happy. <laughs> they're caffeinated. They look yeah. really happy. Like I, when I meet a basic bitch, I'm like, good for you. Like, good for you. You've never yeah. had an original thought in your life and you seem happier for it. And I'm <laughs> jealous of you. Like you're vacant yeah. and wonderful. Like I am so <laughs> jealous of like truly basic bitches because I genuinely believe they're better than the rest of us. I really do. I'm like, yeah. good for you. They probably have packing cubes. You know what I mean? Not to say that you're basic, but I will say that a basic, okay. she probably has her packing cubes. Like I really do think they figured it out. They 
figured out what life is truly about and we're all trying to fuck with it, but it's like, let it be, you know, let it be. Thank you for letting me get yeah. that out. I clearly needed to. I clearly needed to oh get my that gosh. out of my chest. So thank you for of course. bearing with that. I think there to needs that. to be a vacant and wonderful shirt for sure in addition to whatever the OIBS icon. Yeah. Kelsey, I mean, there's a lot of merch that could live on this podcast. I appreciate you saying that. I feel like we need to get you're, – you're helping – you're like my my merch ghostwriter, and I really appreciate that. <laughs> um, I always think about merch. It's just part of my job now. I need, I need to get it going, but – but yeah, so you, so anyway, you, back to you, you recently moved from LA to the Midwest. Can you talk a little bit about what that um, process was like? Why, why you decided to leave LA? And I can't imagine why you would want to leave this gorgeous, wonderful city, but <laughs> what, what made you want to leave LA and what made you choose Minneapolis? Sure. So I actually, um, I left LA at the end of 2020. So um, I, I had left LA a little while ago and I had moved uh, back to Spokane because of course in the pandemic, everything was so shut down and it got to a point where I was kind of like, why am I like still living in LA right now, paying crazy rent when if I am doing any comedy shows, it's over zoom. Like I can do this from anywhere. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to go back to Spokane and kind of just like reset, get an apartment there, see my best friends from home and my family. And I had every intention of moving back to LA. Uh, but then a couple things happened. So unfortunately, my mom got really sick. Uh, and so I was helping take care of her. And as that had stretched on and on, I actually ended up getting an agent, which was like such life is so weird where like you can be like at your darkest time and like not living in a, in a city where you would ever think that like your career is going to get better. Like you don't, nobody moves to Spokane to make it. Yeah. <laughs> like, especially from LA, like yeah. that seems like a backwards move, but um, I had been trying to be pretty consistent over the pandemic about posting my standup clips online. And um, an agent at CAA had started following me and noticed it and uh, reached out ended up signing with them and then they booked me this like massive first tour. So then I realized like, well, and now I don't ever actually have to live in LA again if I don't want to, because I'm just gone almost every week anyway. So it's like that was LA wasn't the place that I was making my living. And that's one of the things I'm so grateful about with touring is that you can kind of make anywhere your home, uh, because and if somebody has, has like very hardcore pursuing acting things and stuff like that, I know that LA has a lot of opportunities for auditions. But even now, like the auditions I've been doing are over Zoom. It's just, of course, everything is so different after the pandemic. But um, so I was in Spokane for two years and um, had been in a long distance relationship with my boyfriend um, who lives in Minnesota. And it was, <clears throat> again, a few different things happening where like touring out of Spokane for a year and a half had become really, really taxing on my body because Spokane is a small airport and it's really tucked up into like the corner of the country. So all of these flights I was doing every week, especially for like East Coast tour dates, were feeling like international flights. Mm. You know, nothing was nonstop, uh, really limited travel times. I was almost missing shows a lot of the time or having to fly in an entire day early. And just like I was losing so much time and also my body was shot. I was just like on a plane so much. And so I knew I was like, okay, this doesn't feel really feasible for Spokane to be this like long-term, like the place I live for the long haul. And of course, if you're in a serious long distance relationship, you also are like, well, we can't do this long distance forever. And he's also a touring comedian. So Spokane equally didn't make sense for him for, for travel. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had, <clears throat> it, it was a struggle for me with the mom stuff because so my mom um, has dementia. 
and oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was gonna say, is she okay now? But um, no, yeah. but she. I mean, she's like medically stable right now, but okay. it's uh, you know, it, it is a terminal disease, and I'm really sorry to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a, a really crushing couple years because like as I've talked about uh, in the early parts of this podcast she's I've just been so close with her my whole life and <clears throat> so she was in the hospital for the first half of 2021 mm-hmm. she was in there for five months and wow. um, now and then after she was um, discharged from the hospital now lives in an adult family home and I just felt I felt like I couldn't leave Spokane so long as my mom was around. And uh, the impossible thing with this disease is like there is no crystal ball for somebody's lifespan with this disease. Like the prognosis they give is like it's like something like six months to 12 years or something where it's like it's it's impossible to try to build your life around that family member's diagnosis. And it's, it's been this thing I've had to really figure out because I know that my mom, the last thing she would ever want for me is to put my life on hold to like, try to help be there for her because my whole life, she's just been like the most supportive, like wants me to have the most successful career I can have, wants me to be in a loving relationship and, and to take care of myself. Like she's the classic mom of like, I feel like you're traveling too much. Like you're not taking care of yourself. Right. Blah, blah, blah. And everything I was doing by living in Spokane was kind of going against everything that she's ever wanted for me. But by leaving Spokane, I knew that that meant I was going to see her so much less than I did while I was living there because I, I used to live like 15 minutes from the adult family home and would go uh, once or twice a week because when she was in the hospital, I was there every day for that whole time. And that was uh, a lot. <clears throat> and so now I'm trying to go back and visit her like every month if I can. And I, I still talk to her on the phone and do FaceTimes with her all the time and and all of that. But that was like there was a lot that went into the thought process behind moving to to Minnesota to uh, live with my boyfriend, to live in a city that is so much more travel friendly. Like it's, I, I never thought that like I would be horny for an airport, but like, <sighs> oh my God, it's like when you realize how much shorter your flights can be and that you're not like having crazy time zone changes, it changes your whole life if you're somebody who travels for a living it's a major impact so um it it was like a bittersweet move it's been really amazing in a lot of ways and also uh it's hard for me to be away from my mom what has been like the biggest learning piece here for you with with this experience do you think um so many one of them i think is the importance of taking care of yourself and to not like I have a lot of guilt associated with taking care of myself. To me, it can feel selfish or self-serving to be like, I I need to sleep today. Like I can't, I can't do this thing today. Uh, but it's kind of the oxygen mask thing with the airplane where they always say like, you got to put on yours first and then help others. Because it's true. It's like if you make yourself sick, then you can't do anything for that person. I made myself pretty fucking sick when she was in the hospital because that was that was not normal to be in the hospital every day for like 8 to 10 hours every day helping take care of somebody. But it you know, it was covid time, the hospital was like so overloaded. I felt like all the nurses had so many patients and I just knew that if I wasn't there with her helping like she wasn't gonna get the care she needed and uh yeah I I pushed myself way beyond what was like a healthy place and 
started to just feel some like pretty scary, like just like not okay physically and mentally ways. Mm -hmm. So just the importance of like knowing your limits and taking care of yourself and knowing that not only is there nothing wrong with taking care of yourself, but it's like, it is vital. (laughs) Like you, you have to take care of your health. Yeah, absolutely. How, um, well, I, I hope that she'll be okay. And I'm so sorry that you're going through this. Like genuinely, I'm just, it's a lot. That's a lot to have to be, you know, a career as demanding as yours that requires so much of you physically and so much of you mentally um, to then also have to juggle that with like taking care of the most important person in your life is not an easy feat. So I'm really sorry that you're going through that. I did not know. Um, yeah, I haven't, I like just for the first time opened up about it on self helpless. I had started to talk about it on stage a little bit too in the past few months, but I've never posted anything on social media about it. I'm very, I've been very, very private about it and very protective of that. Yeah. And now it's been two years since, um, she was, diagnosed and you start to realize that like it's very isolating and I've gone to a place where I am hoping for like connection with people who have also gone through something like this because you do start to feel the the negative effects of like nobody I feel like nobody understands what this feels like it sounds really taxing and scary and hard so yeah I'll I'll keep her in my thoughts um for thank sure you. But, thanks yeah. damn I don't know I don't I, I don't know what that's like but I but I can't imagine it's incredibly yeah isolating and taxing and and hard so thanks for telling me about that um sure yeah, yeah. um I don't know how to go. I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. I just, you, you were asking about like why, <clears throat> like what brought that move on and right. kind of the thought process behind it. And it's hard to say the reasons of moving here without talking about also like that it's been a hard thing as well to make that decision to no, leave. For sure. I mean, I think, I think anybody though would say, you know, you do absolutely have to think about yourself too. I mean, it feels hard. I'm sure it feels hard because you're like, I don't want to abandon someone or I don't want to leave them or like, what if, what if, what if, but it's like, it's true. Like your mom, I'm sure would want you to just like fully self-actualize and pursue love and your career and what's best for you. I mean, I'm sure as her, as your mom who loves you, like that is what she would want. So, um, So you have moved to Minneapolis. How is it? How has it been being there? Do you love it? Besides the fact that it's a great airport, and I know that you <laughs> are a slut for hot airports. Um, yeah. I, how how has the move been? Like, what are you loving about Minneapolis? What are you not loving? Like, what are if people are there to check it out? Like, what what are some things that they should definitely see and do? Yeah, I to me there are a lot of aesthetic similarities between Minneapolis and Spokane. Uh, it's of course freezing and but Spokane is also very very cold in the winter so to me this looks not too dissimilar from home like there's snow on the ground there's really beautiful buildings everywhere the the downtown area is is very cool again lots of great restaurants so that's been fun for me to try to check out new places to eat and um the the cold is something I don't like because this is a, a level of cold that I am not familiar with like Spokane gets into like the teens and maybe we'll dip below zero at night here and there. But like the upcoming week here is supposed to be like high of negative one. Oh my God. And that, I don't like that. Cause then it makes me feel like I can't go outside. And I don't like that feeling of being cooped up and cabin fever and all that. But um, I'm very, I, I moved here during the hardest time I could move here in terms of weather. Truly. So what, if um... I like it already, I think it's great that, hopefully I'll like it that much more in the summer. Do you have any specific like super, super cold weather clothing brands that you are a fan of right now for people who are either traveling somewhere cold or live somewhere cold? Like what is, what is like your absolute must for bracing the cold weather? Yeah, that's a funny question. I'm like probably one of the worst people to ask because I'm allergic to down. And so (laughs) all of the best coats out there are down, but I actually just bought one it's so funny yesterday on Nordstrom that's supposed to get here soon where the insulation is from recycled plastic bottles Mm -hmm. I have no it's probably not going to be as warm I can't imagine that like 
just like picturing like an empty Dasani bottle and then like a <laughs> pile of feathers. I feel like that provides a very different level of comfort. So I don't, I don't know how this will be, but something I have discovered recently that's maybe this is a duh thing for other people, but it wasn't for me. I used to always just wear gloves in the winter and my fans would still be freezing all the time. And then my stepmom was the one that was like, you got to wear mittens because when you wear gloves, you're cutting off that contact from your fingers to each other that provides that natural warmth. And when they were all stuffed in, like four of your fingers are stuffed into the, the mitten top, it gives so much natural warmth. And so I've got these ones from REI. They're actually like kid size. <laughs> I have small hands, but they were cheaper. And I was like, fuck it. And um, I cannot believe how warm my hands are staying. Like I have to actually take them off sometimes because they're getting sweaty. So that's just a small hack I found is like, I know it seems probably like less convenient. It's of course harder to do anything on your phone. Like you have to take your hand out, but in terms of warmth, that's made a big difference for me. Okay. Well, that's a good tip. I mean, look, yeah. I'm a, I'm a bitch from LA, so I am not the person to go to for like what to wear when, you know, you're freezing. So this is good, yeah. very helpful mittens, you know, I don't think yeah, I've ever yeah. worn a mitten in my whole life, to be honest. <laughs> like I've that's been okay. to cold, I've been to cold places, but I don't think I've ever put on a mitten ever. Oh yeah. <clears throat> I mean, again, I wasn't like I would put on a mitten if I was going like sledding or something growing up, but I didn't really, it wasn't a thing I had invested much time in. Yeah. It's a, real, a it's a real, if you know, you know, situation. Um, yeah. So, okay. So what do you have upcoming? Like what's going on in your life these days? Are you touring? What are you doing? Yeah. So um, I am on tour right now. Um, the day after this comes out, I will be at the Philly Helium that whole weekend. And then I will be at the Portland Helium Comedy Club the weekend after that. I've got tour dates in uh, Cincinnati, Minneapolis, and Kearney in March. And just, it's a really nonstop tour this whole year. So you can go to kelseycook.com and uh, get tickets there. Follow me on social media at Kelsey Cook Comedy everywhere. And yeah, that's that's kind of the big stuff lately. It's really unfair because Kelsey's like so hot and gorgeous and fabulous and also funny <laughs> and smart. And so, and then you're, so you're like, oh, I want to hate you a little bit. And then you're like really sweet. So then you're just like, I can't even dislike you. It's just, it's not nice. I want you to know that what you're doing is rude and I don't appreciate it because no one should have it all like this. And it's just like, it's unkind as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, oh, you'll, you'll fall in love with her. She's really talented. So funny. Watch Rissa Fury. It's really it's really entertaining to watch dudes try to like beat you at something that you're just like bitch I am born to do this um <laughs> yeah. so yes follow Kelsey and we'll see you next week on globe thotting with Chelsea Frank thanks for coming oh thanks for all those sweet things you just said and thanks for having me <laughs> I wouldn't even give you the chance to respond I'm just like that's I know. it End I was like discussion. I can't I, you no. know what do we say thank you no I no like no I just, I, she's hot and funny and cool bye <laughs>